Welcome to the Relaunch Your Career podcast. I'm your host, Leah Lambert, career and interview coach and founder of Relaunch Me, where we help you find the work that you were meant to do. Today, I'm interviewing Emily Manley, one of our own coaches at Relaunch Me. So you can get to know her and hear her career story prior to becoming a career coach. Welcome, Emily, to the podcast. Oh, thank you, Leah. It's good to be here. Now, Em, you have been working as a coach with Relaunch Me since last year. Can you tell us about your career prior to working as a coach? Absolutely. So I have been in recruitment and HR for all of my careers. So I guess that's around 15 or 16 years or so now. Uh, So I kind of fell into the recruitment career, as many do, and did that for a few years before I transitioned into more of an HR-focused career in uh, several different capacities, so for different industries and in different environments and settings. So I had a bit of experience in consulting and then also in in in-house HR. And for those people who maybe don't know much about HR, can you just give us a little bit of insight into the different roles within an HR team? Yeah, absolutely. So there are the generalist HR roles and they cover, you know, everything across the employment life cycle really. Uh, And they are very much focused on, I would say, compliance. Um, They might get involved in projects, but generally they have an understanding of all aspects of HR from the workplace legislation through to culture and engagement, performance management. And, you know, they probably do a fair bit of reporting and analytical type work as well. So, you know, workplace analytics or workforce analytics uh, and, you know, forecasting of workforce planning. So there is sort of a strong compliance and analytical side to a generalist HR role. And then you have more specific roles like you might have uh, project HR roles and they are more specifically working on a particular, you know, priority for the business. It might be something like putting in a new technology, HR technology, or working on a particular culture and engagement initiative, for example. Uh, you might have a wellbeing coordinator. So in larger firms, these people would all be separate individuals. But in smaller organisations, you might have a generalist looking after all of these areas. Uh, and you have your, you know, your organisational development focused role, which is around building the capability of individuals in the business. And that might also involve a bit of training and development. So there is quite a bit of breadth to HR. I don't know if people understand that it is a really broad role and there are lots of different focus areas that you can work in in HR and that's one of the really great things about the career. And you also spent quite a lot of time working in recruitment, specifically graduate recruitment with a a law firm. Uh, Now imagine that would have been a very busy role. That was absolutely nuts, that role. It was great. It was such a good foundation for me. I think being the age that I was, you know, I had loads of energy and, and motivation at that time and I needed it. It was, um, it was a really intense role. It was very high volume recruitment, but also working within that, you know, private practice, large law firm environment came with its challenges as well. So very, very high expectations from the partnership, as you would know, because you spent some time there as well. Um, so I think in some ways that's, that was so great for me in terms of building some foundational skills just around, you know, quality of work, um, you know, meeting quite high expectations of your stakeholders and also just having the ability to get through work really productively. You had to be so quick with your responses. And uh, it was also great to get a bit of an understanding around employment branding as well as part of that role. So, so much of 
graduate recruitment is also selling the firm to prospective article clerks or graduates. Um, so they obviously wanted the cream of the crop. So there was quite a strong focus on, you know, how we presented ourselves as an employer of choice or a law firm of choice. And I really enjoyed that element of it. And you also ran your own HR business for quite a number of years. What were some of the highs and lows of running your own business? Oh, yeah, it was, um, oh, look, I'm still so grateful that I had that experience. It was absolutely brilliant to have control over my time. Uh, that was at a time when I had quite young children. So I had, you know, three children in fairly quick succession. And I started the business, I think, I think Xavier, my eldest, might have been around nine or ten months um, when that business was born. And, you know, it was just really great to be able to work with clients on my terms, be able to be a bit selective with who I worked with, um, you know, be able to do the work as and when I could rather than your traditional kind of 8.30 to 6 hours. So there there were lots of benefits to having my own business. But, of course, the flip side of that is that the buck stops with you and, you know, there is a bit of pressure from that point of view. You can't just switch off from it. You can't just, you know, get somebody else to do the work. I was sort of on my own with it. I would pull different people in at different times, but at the end of the day, you know, you're accountable. So it's, um, you know, that came with, with its challenges. And I think as the business built, that's when it started to get a lot more demanding of my time. And that's when I had to make a decision because I had, you know, three children under stupid, <laughs> three children under four. And there was, um, you know, this other baby, which was the business as well, and something had to give. And that's when, you know, I kind of made a decision to scale back the business. Em, what areas within HR or what tasks within that function did you find most energising? I would have to say anything that was people-related. So whether that was, I mean, I'd have to say even recruitment, even though I did a lot, so much recruitment and I'm not sure I could go back into that because I've just done it to death, but that people side of recruitment really suited me. So meeting with different candidates, but also from the point of view of helping the employer to find good talent gave me a level of satisfaction. Uh, I think the training and facilitation part also was quite energising for me. So presenting I really enjoyed when I had my own business, the presenting side. So going out and actually presenting a solution to a business. Um, I'm naturally kind of good with ideas and creating, you know, creating ideas, I suppose, but it's the implementation side and it's the, the detail side that is not so much my strong suit. So when it came to actually doing, you know, quite mundane and repetitive work around policies and procedures, and which is a big part of HR, obviously, that's when it would lose me a bit in terms of my genuine enthusiasm for it. That's right. It's, you know, if you're not using your strengths, you're often, you know, you can do the work, but it's it's not necessarily energising. It becomes a learned behaviour. Oh, that's, that's so true. And I did find at different points through my HR career that, you know, there, were time, there was just a lot of um, probably convincing myself a bit that, you know, I knew that I was in a good position in terms of a good stage of my career. I'd built up a good level of expertise. It was obviously in demand. But I never had that kind of feeling of contentment and peace that I'm in the right spot and I'm doing the right thing. That so, And that never kind of went away. What would you say for someone who is thinking of pursuing a career in HR, what would you say are the biggest challenges working in an HR team or in an HR role? I'd have to say that 
there is a bit of a feeling of having to justify your existence. So um, there's that term, you know, being a walking overhead, and I think, you know, a lot of support services feel like that, but probably none more than HR. It's quite difficult to translate HR results into a kind of hard, hard cost or hard you know, cost benefit for the business. And obviously when you're dealing with business owners and CEOs, that's what they want to see. They want to see in dollar terms what they're getting. And that's really difficult when you're talking about people. Um, I mean, obviously I'm a big believer in people, uh, you know, they are, they should be your main investment really, but convincing others or convincing business owners to invest can be quite difficult. And so there is that kind of feeling of having to, yeah, just prove, prove HR's position is important and what we're doing is important. So that's, that's a big part of it. It's having that ability to really influence um, the key stakeholders in the business, that the initiatives are actually going to bring those bottom line results. So I'd say that's probably one of the biggest challenges. And the other big challenge that I found a little, you know, difficult or draining at times was probably the fact that maybe 70 to 80% of what you do in HR is dealing with some sort of issue or problem or conflict. So some people might really, you know, enjoy that challenge. Uh, some people thrive on those sort of things. But for me, I found that a little draining when you're constantly dealing with things that are issues or problems, um, you know, rather than being kind of, I guess, positive aspects or exciting <laughs> parts of a business. Yeah, I agree. And I think often people go into HR thinking that it's sort of a helping career, but at the end of the day, you work for the business. And, you know, in the last couple of weeks, I have to say, I've been sympathetic to people working in HR who have been, you know, who have been the ones who have had to deliver bad news and stand people down. Um, You know, and that, did you find that that was something that you had to do at, at times when you're, when you were working in HR? Yeah, I did have to do a lot of that and it was always so difficult. You know, my personality, as you know, I'm an ENFP, so I have sort of quite a strong emotional or compassionate side to my personality, which I think is part of the reason I was drawn to HR because you do have a feeling that you'll be in a position to be able to really help people. But um, the reality of that is the business is the priority and obviously, you know, making sure that the business is carefully managing their costs is, is the priorities for HR as well. Um, so unfortunately, there were quite a few employee casualties as a result of that, and that that's never never been an easy thing to be part of. And I think when that sort of thing becomes easy, you probably need to have a good look at your personality. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a name for people like that who enjoy those situations. Probably won't shouldn't say it on the podcast. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, as you know, I still do some work in HR, so I have what we tell our clients is a portfolio career. So I work with you obviously as a career coach, but then I have my HR clients and I've got a couple of clients I work with and I absolutely love working with them more from the point of view that they're very small businesses. So I can really see how I am positively impacting their business. So that's, you know, there are parts of HR that really make you feel as though you are helping in a positive way. I can see how much they, um, they sleep better at night, I think, knowing that I'm involved and that if there is any issues, they can contact me at any time. So, again, I think it's just about finding the right setting and the right people to work with. That's right. And how, you know, whether there's a level of respect for HR in the business. 100%. That's, yeah, that's number one. It's so important. Otherwise, you're just constantly pushing the proverbial up the hill. Now, um. 
A couple of years ago, you started studying in an area which is very different to HR. Do you want to share that experience um, and your more recent decision to perhaps withdraw for the time being? Sure. So I guess there'd probably been quite a few years of feeling somewhat disillusioned with HR and I guess having the time to really reflect and think about why that was wasn't an option at the time because I had three young children and really it was just survival mode. But one thing I did know is that I didn't want to do that for the next 20, 25, 30 years, however long I was going to be working. So I knew there needed to be a change, but I hadn't really yeah, had the opportunity to deeply reflect. And I think that's something that's going to be so important. I think, you know, just having that time and space to be able to really think about what is it that you're not enjoying and what do you, what are the things that actually excite you? And for me, that was about helping. And I didn't feel I was necessarily doing that to, a, to the degree I wanted to in HR. So I started to just reassess and think about what else I could possibly do. I'd always had a bit of an interest in nursing and midwifery, even long before I had my own children. Nursing was something I'd thought about coming out of school. Um, so I think, you know, when these things come up when you're younger, often they do keep niggling at you. So I'd, I'd thought about it and I had a couple of discussions with certain people in the industry. My sister's a midwife, so we caught up and had a good chat and I did a bit of research on the courses and so forth and I ended up enrolling and got in so I was thrilled to get in and I thought this is going to be great I'll do the mid degree and then I'll I'll, um, work as a midwife and I might do a bit of HR consulting on the side once I get through so yeah so I started studying midwifery at ACU back in 2017. Can you tell us a little bit about you know how demanding it was to go back to study but whilst also managing a family and trying to bring some income in? Uh, you know I love a challenge Leah but it was difficult look there was I think what, what you've got to remember with study is that a semester is only about 10 weeks so you're only really studying for probably half of the year in saying that the mid-degree is notoriously demanding and challenging um, you know not only do you have your coursework but you've also got practicals and also follow through women so you need to actually go to the appointments of 10 pregnant women Um, So you need to go to four antenatal appointments and that's all very time consuming, obviously, and takes you away from the family as well. So there's a lot to it. I think if it's the right thing, though, you make it work. And I was really enjoying the study. And I think for me, it was partly just the change in content, like away from HR and into something that I felt quite passionate about, being helping women and women's health. I'm quite interested in that. I've always had an interest in that area. Um, So from that point of view, the study went really well. But then in 2018, there were a couple of things that happened in the family or just at home that needed my attention. So I decided to take just a pause of a year of my studies. Yeah, and it was at that time I think we got chatting. I think so. And I think we chatted about, you know, your reasons for wanting to be a midwife, which were obviously largely around helping women because I know that's what you're particularly passionate about Um, and I guess you know I could see that you could do the same thing working for our business um, because that's you know what one of the key things that we do at Relaunch Me is helping women relaunch their careers after a career break um, and giving them that confidence to get back out into the workforce and do find fulfilling work. Absolutely and you know I think so much of what happens in life and with your career is about just timing 
you know, and sometimes I do feel the universe intervenes at, at the right time. Um, you know, that, that sounds a bit woo-woo, but I do believe that things happen for a reason. And, yeah, so the timing of you and I having those conversations really made me think that maybe there are other options where I can find something that's still suited to my personality but also leverages my skills, you know, strengths and experiences. And as a result, I started doing some shadowing of you to get a better understanding about career coaching. And I realised actually it's, you know, it does align really well with, you know, who I am as a person, what I value, but also leverages my experience. So, yeah. And so what have you decided for the moment with your studies? So for the moment, I have taken an extended pause on the studies. Uh, I don't know when or if I'll go back to it. I'm never saying never. Um, Like I said, there was much about it I really did enjoy. But in hindsight, I probably should have done what we recommend our clients to do, which is, you know, a lot of research, a lot of informational interviews with midwives in the industry. I ultimately did that, but I did it later. So I did that last year when I was on my pause of studies you know I think sitting down and actually really looking at what a day-to-day what the day-to-day role is for a midwife and a lot of that is you know documentation it's a very much you're very constrained in a hospital environment by process and procedure you know you're doing a lot of drug calculations administering of drugs taking notes the helping aspect unfortunately can be quite limited in a typical hospital environment anyway if you're a caseload midwife where you work privately perhaps and you have one you know a few women who you work with over the course of a year it can be a little bit different but in the traditional midwifery setting I think there were certain aspects that were quite sort of practical detail orientated those things that aren't necessarily my strengths that I think I might have struggled with um, as an ENFP I'm very much you know I value my freedom and flexibility and I like to be I like to be able to I suppose influence and you know, have those idea, those idea creations and things that I don't think I would have been able to harness in that hospital environment. Yeah, so you felt that those information interviews really gave you some clarity in regards to making the decision whether to continue on or to withdraw, is that right? Oh, so helpful. Um, so I think I met with three or four people last year and, you know, I made sure they were from different uh, settings, so, you know, private hospitals, public hospitals, uh, it was just so valuable to get their experiences and, you know, and then you and I also had a session so I think that was the other really important thing to do and it's, you know, it's so easy to give other people advice but I think when it comes to yourself it can be quite hard. So that was so helpful for you and I to sit down and for us to go through what we would go through with the client which is assessing our values and, you know, thinking about, well, what is it, what's sustainable in terms of what I'm looking for and what my values are and these options, so career coaching or midwifery. Um, Can I combine the two? What would that look like? So really just deep diving into all of that, which, you know, in hindsight I should have done before I started the degree, but I think everything happens for a reason and had I not been in that situation where I started and paused the studies, I don't know, I might not have had the conversation with you, who knows. So yeah. Look, you make a great point. I think it's just so important for people to get out and talk to people who are actually doing that work because that's the only way you can really get insights to what really goes on behind the scenes. And, you know, if you can ask to do some job shadowing, obviously not easy at the moment, but 
you know, it's a fantastic opportunity either volunteering or job shadowing to see, to see whether you can actually see yourself doing that work. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there are parts of midwifery that I know I would, I would really love um, and I know I could add a lot of value being a midwife and get a lot of satisfaction from it. But then you've also got to look at the reality of the study, the pressure that puts on family. Um, you know, you've got the study, but then you've got a graduate year that's a full-time year. Um, so there's, there's a lot of, that you've got to consider. And I think it's making sure that you think about that, every aspect of it. So, so yeah, so that's, you know, like I said to you, it's not, um, it's not off the table permanently, but for now it is. And I just feel really grateful that I've found a role in career coaching with Relaunch Me that, you know, I really feel, um, you know, for the first time that I'm in the right spot. Pleased to hear that, Em. And, you know, you're balancing that um, portfolio career that we talk about really well in terms of the coaching, but continuing to do some work in HR, which is fabulous, um, mm. and managing three children at home, uh, doing homeschooling, which is <laughs> We've all now got an extra job to, uh, to throw into the portfolio career. Em, is there any advice you would give to other people who are thinking about going back to study or doing a career change later in life that you haven't perhaps mentioned already? Um, look, I think I probably have covered things off. Obviously, it's just the research. Just make sure that you do talk to people in the industry. I think don't just accept not being happy. I think a lot of people think, and I, I wrote a blog post on this recently for you guys, for us, for relaunch me, and I just felt feel really strongly that people do just accept being dissatisfied and unhappy at work for too long. Uh, and I just don't think that's how it should be. I think obviously we all do need a paycheck, but if you do have that niggle, then I think it's really important. Go and, go and speak to somebody, um, try and do some self-reflection. There's a lot of tools online. If you don't want to invest in a coach straight away, there's heaps of tools online you can use to, you know, do your own self-assessment and reflection on what's important to you. So I would just say, you know, make, I think everybody should do it almost every two years, you know, a career self-assessment or career reflection. I just think it's so important to be able to have that satisfaction at work. Um, having not had it and now having got it and the difference in me, that peace and contentment I was talking about is just, you know, it adds so much to your life. That's great to hear. And look at, you know, it also has such a big impact on your life outside of work, doesn't it? In terms of your relationships with your partner, with your family, if you are feeling more fulfilled and doing work that, you know, you feel is meaningful. Every aspect of your life is impacted, I would say, like your sleep levels, yeah, you know, just how you face the day, just you look forward to going to work. Like it's honestly, it's very worthwhile. And you know, as you've heard today, my path wasn't straightforward at all, but I wouldn't change it. Uh, even though I have invested, you know, one and a half years in study and something I may not end up practising, I don't regret any of that because I feel like it's all led to where I am now. Yeah. So I would just say to people, just don't be scared to have a shot, um, listen to your gut, and if that niggles there, just do something about it. Yeah, and look, I think the you know the fact that we're all a little bit isolated at the moment, um, it's it may not necessarily be the perfect time to, you know, look for a new job, but it's a perfect time to take the you know hit pause on your career and do some self assessment and also some research if you are thinking of changing a career in the, to a different career in the future. 
I was going to say exactly that, Leah. Like, you know, I think that's part of why I put it off for so long. It was having the time and headspace to be able to actually dedicate to thinking about what I wanted or what was going to make me happy. You know, that is the hardest part of making any change. I think giving yourself that time, it almost feels like it's luxurious, you know, or it's self-indulgent. But now is the perfect time to carve that out and just to really think about how you might be able to take a different step or a new step. I also think this whole situation with COVID, it will give people um, an opportunity or a reason to justify a career change. And, you know, employers in the future will be perhaps more understanding of someone who has changed career as a result of this situation. Yeah, I totally agree. I think there's going to be a lot of, like, as much as it might be a difficult rebound in some industries, I think there's going to be a, a huge amount of benefits coming out of this situation. Um, and I just think, like you said, with employers being more open to different types of backgrounds, you know, I think there'll be a lot more flexibility around taking people on who don't necessarily have on paper the perfect background and experience totally agree well em it's been great to chat with you and thank you for sharing your story and your insights and um great having you on the team at relaunch me so thanks again and look forward to having you on another podcast and i know you're also you also have some great interviews lined up with some guests in the near future as well i do i'm looking forward to that so thank you for having me leah I hope you enjoyed this episode of Relaunch Your Career. If you did, please subscribe, share with your friends, leave a review or connect with us on social media at Relaunch Me Career Consulting. If you have any questions about the episode or the work that we do, then contact us via the website relaunchme.com.au. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.